Welcome. Praise the Lord. Tuesday night Bible study. We're going to continue on in our teaching here about what we talked about. We started last week. We got up to what happens if you don't worship God. And uh, I don't know who, who was here. How many of you were here last Tuesday night? Some of you here. Some of you were. Some of you were not. Okay, let's come to the Lord in prayer and we'll get started. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you and worship you that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. And I praise you and thank you, Lord, for the privilege to study your word and to have this book, this magnificent book, the owner's manual, that we can read and study on a regular basis so we can see what you like and what you don't like so we will know. Now, Lord, bless us tonight as we study your word. Bless everything we do here tonight in the name of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 There you go. That's right. I receive that in the name of Jesus. We we rebuke that enemy because we don't want him to steal a word that we put in our heart tonight, do we? No, we don't want him to steal not one single word. Now then, what happens, even if we're Christians, from the Word of God, the study that we stopped on last week, how many of you remember what happens that if you don't worship God and you don't put him first? You remember what he said would happen to you? Let's, let's, let's go back and look at one or two of these. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 19. Deuteronomy eight nineteen. I want you to think there's a lot of Christians sick today because of this very thing right here. In other words, he tells us in his word, we are to put him first in everything we do. Yeah, there you go. We've got lots of Bibles. Lots of people leave their Bibles up here. And uh, we've got some really nice ones up there. Uh, you know, some of them are expensive. Some of them even got their names in them and everything. You know, some of them we call them, they got a phone number, and sometimes they come back and get them, sometimes they don't. But anyway, in Deuteronomy, uh, let's go and read this in 8.19, whatever translation you've got. But I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. It's, uh, I've got it in the Living Bible, the, the King James Version, and the New King James Version. But... In the Living Bible, Deuteronomy 8:19 says, But if you forget about the Lord your God and worship other gods instead and follow evil ways, you shall surely perish. That's kind of scary, isn't it? So it kind of changes when I begin to learn these things. I stopped spending so much time watching secular television and listening to secular radio. I turned it off because I felt that was worshiping another god. You know, I was not putting the Lord first. I was spending time with definitely the enemy. And so by spending time with the enemy, he said, if, if I put anything before him, I, I, will, I will perish. And I'm not ready to perish yet. You know, I want to live a long time and be healthy, don't you? And so we've got to do it God's way. I, I realize that a, a lot of us don't believe these things will happen to us. We don't believe that we can be because we're sick or afflicted is because we didn't put God first. But it certainly is. I mean, he says it in so many ways in the Scripture. He tells us that we are to put Him first. The first, first of the Ten Commandments is you are to love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? 
all your heart and all your strength and all your might. And we don't do that very well. None of us do it well enough, do we? No, we don't. We really don't. Not any of us. But praise the Lord. We want to work on that. There's no doubt about it. Then, uh, we just want to go over that again. We won't go over any more of the things we talked about there. But uh, if, if God tells you to do something, don't question uh, Him. You know, just do what He tells you. You know, now, uh, I mean, a lot of times I can think about people that have told me, just like God has spoken to me, I've heard several people that uh, the Lord has spoken to them and told them to do something. And when you do it, you always get a blessing. But if you don't do it, you know, usually uh, you get a spanking. You know, you don't like it, you know, when he tells you to do something. And, of course, the one story that really stuck with me was a young man that was here a year or two ago, whatever it was. And when he come up and after church was talking to me, I'll never forget his story. He said, one day I heard this audible voice tell me, I've called you to preach my word. And he said, man, I just come back and said, no, I'm never going to be a preacher. And he said, nothing else was said. He said, a year later, I found myself in a hospital with a doctor doing tests on me, and the results was you got about a week left to live. And he said, I began to cry out to God, God. This doctor just told me i got a week left to live. And he said, the Lord spoke to me again. He said, oh, I have your attention now, do I? Now you're going to talk to me. He said, before you said you didn't have time for me. You know, I told you, I called you a year ago and told you to preach my word. And you turned me down. You said, no, I'll never preach your word. So he said, if you're not going to do what I called you to do, then I don't need you. So he said, I'm going to cut your tree down. You're going to die. He said, Lord, you mean if I don't do what you said, I'm going to die? He said, yes, because you're disobedient. He said, Lord, I'll repent. I'll preach. I'll do anything you tell me to do. He said, I repented, Thurman, and told God I was sorry. He said, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere you tell me to go. And he said, and as God is my witness, in one hour, I was released from that hospital, and I ain't been sick since that day. Isn't that amazing? I mean... Why does God need you and me if we're not going to do what He says? He don't. He says if we don't produce fruit and we're the branches and He's the vine, He says if you don't produce fruit, I'll cut that branch off. He says that. You know that? So I don't want my branch cut off, do you? When He comes by and inspects my branch, I want that baby to be green and lots of big luscious grapes on it. (laughs) I want it to look good. You know, don't you? So he says, oh, there, my son, he's doing good. Let me pick off one or two of them. I'll just get a few of them and eat them. Now I'll come back for some more later. That's, that's the way I want him to see me, don't you, brother? I want my fruit to be big and luscious. Because, you know, if you go out to, I can still remember when my grandfather up in Cross Plains, Texas, he was a farmer. I mean, he was a farmer. He had fruit trees out there, every kind you can imagine. And I can remember we used to take our little red wagon and go down through the grape vineyard, and we'd pick huge clusters of beautiful grapes. You know, I mean, we could just fill that little wagon up in nothing flat. I mean, you go down there and cut off them clusters and stack that little, bring them to the house. You know, we had grapes, and I mean, they had everything, apples and peaches and 
you name it, my grandfather was a farmer, a gardener. I mean, he, he could raise anything. But he raised eight kids. He had a wife and raised eight kids out in the country. With You know, they went to town once a month. You know, they provided everything from their own stuff. And so today, most of us <clears throat> can't grow anything. You know, if we had, we had to live off of our gardens, most of us wouldn't make it, would we? You know, so we're too busy doing everything else. We're not farmers much today. But <clears throat> it's, it's, it's absolutely something. But anyway, if the Lord tells you to do something, you need to do it. And you need to do it with thanksgiving. Now then, let's look at an example here from Luke seventeen nine about what some men, ten men did when the Lord told them to do something. Now, they obeyed to a degree. And let's look and see what happened when they obeyed to a degree and what happened when they obeyed fully. So, in Luke chapter 17, verse 9. Let's go and let's look at this little story here. And uh, in verse uh, 17, 9, it says, Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? The Scripture says, I think not. In other words, do you think God ought to thank you for going out and winning somebody to Jesus? Not really. He commanded us to do that, didn't He? You know, I know that, I know He, good evening, Eldon, praise the Lord. I know the Lord loves that when we do what He says, but He really doesn't have to go around thanking us for doing that. Did you know, it's really nice when you work for somebody, if they pay you a salary, you know, say they're paying you, a, who knows, a hundred dollars a day or uh, who knows what you're, a thousand dollars a day, you know, I mean, people make all kinds of different wages. But if you're hired, if you hire in at a hundred dollars a day or fifty dollars a day or fifty cents a day, if you hire in for that, what should you do? You should give it your best, and at the end of the day, if the man pays you for what you've done, he don't owe you no thanksgiving, does he? No, it's nice if he does say thank you, but he don't owe you nothing. You know, we, and that's the way the Lord is. The Lord tells us right here, you know, I mean, I command you to do things. I don't have to tell you to do things I command you to do, because he clearly says there, does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? He said, I think not. I don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to say thank you, but it really makes it nice if you do. But it's not required. And some people will say, well, you know, I work for this company and I work hard and I've been here for 10 years. They owe me. No, they don't owe you nothing. Don't owe you nothing. If they paid you every week or every two weeks or once a month or however they set it up, every time they pay you, they're clean with you, right? They don't, you, they don't owe you nothing, and, you know, but you owe them a, a good job. You're supposed to work hard and do good for them. And if you do, then it's not a problem. Because, and it's the same way with God. You know, if we do a good job and work hard for Him, He likes it, and He says that He's watching everything we're doing, everything, and if we're doing what He says, when He comes back, He will say, hmm, what did you do with the one talent I give you? What did you do with the two talents I give you? What did you do with the five talents I give you? And we've all read that story too, haven't we? The one that had five, he said, Lord, I went out and worked hard and I made five more. He said, well done, faithful servant. Come into the joy that was prepared for you. Well, what about the one that made two? He said, Lord, I went out and worked hard too and I made two more. He said, well done. 
Come on in. I'll put you over many cities. What'd you do with the one? Lord, I was, I know you're a hard man. I took that out and I dug a hole and I put it in the backyard. He said, you wicked servant. You should have at least put it in the bank. So I could have got interest. He said, now then, take the one away from the one has got one. Give it to the one has got ten. He said, Lord, but he already has ten. He said, I know them that have more will be given. Woo! That's something, isn't it? You know, I, I, want to, I want to work hard for the king. I love it when the king blesses our socks off. You know, I just love it. So we can do the things that we do. Then he says here, <clears throat> So likewise... You, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was due, was our due to us. Now, it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And let's see what happened here. Then as he entered this village, there met him ten men who were lepers. Ten of these guys who were lepers. Who stood afar off because they were not allowed to come close to you as a leper. You were not allowed to touch them. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now then, as these men were crying out to Jesus, I mean... That's the way we should do. I mean, we should, if we need something from the king, we should cry out to him. In fact, I cried out to the Lord the, the last couple of nights. Cheryl has noticed that I have not been able to sleep too much in the last couple of nights. But there's been something. I've got a lot of things on my heart right now. In fact, I got tickled at her night before last. I don't even know what time it was. It was at least 2 or 3 o'clock before we went to bed. And it was two or three hours later that I'm still laying there. And all of a sudden, I hear this little tiny voice say, Are you asleep? I mean, it was so light. She's right beside me. And I says, No. Why? And she says, Well, you weren't breathing heavy or anything. I couldn't hear you moving or no breathing. I just thought, You must not be sleeping. I said, Is something wrong with you? And I said, Well, I guess yes. I guess there is. And she said, well, what is it? I said, I'm meditating about this little 16-year-old boy that's in South Carolina that they want to buy me an airplane ticket to come out there and pray for, that he was in a car wreck when he was 14, killed his best friend. And he's 16 now, and he's been comatose for the last two years. They want me to come out there and pray for him. I say, God, Lord, I need a word from you. You know, my heart's breaking for this poor little boy and his family and everything else. I said, I'm laying there saying, Lord, what do I do? I mean, I need an audible word from you, Lord. What do I do? And every time I say that, it's just like he comes back and says, I told you in my word. I talked to you and I told you to go. I have not heard a voice, but the Spirit. Every time I say, Lord, I need a word from you, he said, I... Did I not tell you that in these last days I spoke to you through my word? I told you to go lay hands on the sick and I'd heal them. So he said, get your faith up there and go do something. I have commanded you to do this. Well, this has been really heavy on my heart. I guess you can understand. You know, I mean, and so, of course, last night, then, you know, I wasn't sleeping again thinking about that. And, of course, I knew, knowing that I had to get, I only had radio shows through tomorrow, to Wednesday, 
And so I had to make radio shows, so I stayed up till 3 or 4 o'clock this morning making radio shows, and then I got up again at 9 or 9.30 this morning, whatever it was, and I worked right up to time to come to Bible study a while ago making radio shows. So, I mean, just, I mean, if you don't have nothing to do, get into the ministry. It's <laughs> you can really get lots of rest and sleep and all kinds of things. You know, it's really a, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, whenever people say, you know, preachers, they don't do nothing. I don't know. They must not be, a, they must not have hung around with me very much. I'll tell you for sure. I, I stay really busy. I, I, and of course, I get. I wish I had one or two more of me. You know, if I had one or two more of me, you know, that I I could uh, uh, get a lot of other things done. I got so many things to do that I just can't seem to get them all done. But anyway, praise the Lord. We do what we can. And we press on. But here, then, these men called out, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us." Well, I'm crying out to the Master, Lord, please have mercy on this little boy. You know, and and so uh, we we prayed for him on the way down here. We prayed for him the other night. And, and then, of course, people call us all the time, you know, wanting us to pray. So, And we do. You know, we pray for people. Because I know that through prayer, great things happen. And so when people call and ask us to pray, we do pray. You know, we don't just say, hey, no. You know, we pray over everything. I mean, Cheryl and I will get together in office or we'll give it to some of the other people. But we'll pray over all of these prayer requests because I know that the Lord, He knows what we have need of even before we ask. But if we don't ask, it's not going to happen. So we got to ask. And when we do, we got to ask in faith with thanksgiving. So these men here, they called upon Jesus. He says, so when He saw them, He said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. Now, what did the Lord tell them to do? He told them to do something. Now, they're going to have to do something. Now, he may tell you to do something. He, he could very well give you a command. You could be saying, Lord, what do I do? And in your heart, your spirit, something he'll tell you to do. Well, when he tells you to do something, I mean, I think about the man that he walked up to that day. And he said, do you want to be healed? The guy said, well, Lord, I've been sick like this for 38 years. And every time that the angel comes and moves the water, somebody else always gets in it before me. I can't get down there. Is that what the Lord asked him? Did he ask him that? He didn't ask him for his life's history. He just said, do you want to be healed? What should the man have said? Yes. Yes. Well, Jesus sitting there listening to him, giving him his life story. He said, get up and walk. Get up and walk. And can't you imagine this man looking up and saying, Lord... I've been like this for 38 years. I can't walk. But Jesus just told him, I said, get up and walk. And the man had a decision to make now. And so he did. When he started up, he realized he was strong. And he got up. He said, now take up your mat and go. You're healed. Can you imagine? The man had been healed all the time. He just didn't know it. And so he took up his mat, and of course the religious leaders, you know, they were right around the corner. And they said, what are you doing carrying your mat? It's the Sabbath. Don't you know you can't do that? What happened to you? Well, I got healed today. The man that just healed me told me to pick up my mat, so I'm obeying him. It's amazing. But it says here that he told them to go show yourself to the priest. Now, that just happens to be what the king told them to do. But he might tell you to do anything. I can remember one day that I was coming down 35E 
from Louisville, and I had to speak in Garland, and I was already late. I'd been over at the ministry center ministering to some people, and it took longer than I thought. And I'm driving down 35, and I'm right on the edge of the speed limit, you know, as fast as I can go without breaking the law. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. There ain't no way I can get all the way down 35 and 635 and all the way around to Garland and get there on time. And I'm driving down the road, and it's just a, the George Bush had just opened out there at the time. They had the bridges were still all open. You could see. And he said, take the George Bush. I heard just as clear as they take the George Bush. I said, Lord, I don't know where the George Bush goes. I ain't never been on it. Well, see, I shouldn't even have questioned him. And so I'm getting closer to it, and all of a sudden he says, take the George Bush. And so I'm already at the V deal, and I just whip it over to the right, and I get started up over the top, and I said, Lord, I sure hope you know where you're going. Is that a dumb statement? Do you think God knows where he's going? You think he is watching when he is building that George Bush? You think he knows everything? Of course. Why do we question him? Because we're human, right? So we're ripping down the road up there. I said, Lord, I heard his voice two times tell me to take the George Bush before I finally did it. You know, it's amazing what he has to do to get our attention. And so I'm driving down the road in a little while I come to a toll booth. Okay, so they want 75 cents. So I put 75 cents in there. I go a little while and they've got another one. I go a little while and there's another one. This is the third one I come to. When I get there, I pull in. I didn't have a 75 cents. I had a dollar. So I had to pull into the one for change. When I pulled in and gave the guy my dollar, I said, do you happen to know where 190 is? He said, this is 190. I said, I'm going to a certain street at the intersection of this and 190. I said, would you happen to know where it is? He said, yes, the next exit. And I thought, wow. So I went down there and exited off. And the place I was looking for was right at the top of the hill. And I was 15 minutes early instead of being late. See, does he pay good dividends to obey the king? So why is it so difficult for us to obey? Well, here these boys had been given a command. They come out there and there are ten of them and they're crying out, Lord, we're lepers. And he said, oh, you guys go show yourself to the priest. Go show ourselves to the priest. I mean, gee whiz, we've been down there before. The priest ain't never healed one of us. Why do we need to go down there? But what did these guys do? See, they could have made any kind of decision, couldn't they? But they knew Jesus walked under the anointing. They knew things happened whenever he told people to do things. So they said, okay, we'll go. So they started to the temple. And let's see what happens when they begin to obey. And it says, uh, uh, they were lepers who stood afar off, and they lifted their voice, crying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And as it, on that, that way, as they went, they were cleansed. They're going. They're obeying the king. He told them to go. Told them to do something. Well, he very well may tell you at times to do something. If you want to get something from him, he may have instructions. Go do something. You say, Lord, I need to be healed. He said, well, what I want you to do, I want you to get up and go down to uh, South Dallas and I want you to minister to these people down there. He said, Lord, I can't do that. I'm sick. I don't feel good. But he told you to go do something. These guys were sick too, weren't they? They were lepers. But he told them to go do something. So they went. They, they didn't even hesitate. He said, go and show yourself. And so as it was, as they went, as they were on the way, they were healed. They were cleansed. And one of them, 
only one of the ten, when he saw that he was healed. I mean, he saw his sores. They all dried up. He said he returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Now, some people, do you know that I have seen people healed of lifelong diseases that will never give God the glory for it? And they'll never tell anybody about it. I have seen people get healed and they, will, they, they won't come back. And you tell them, well, after you see their mighty miracles, said, hey, come to church next Sunday, get up and tell God what, everybody what God did for you. Oh, I could never get up in front of that group of people and tell that. I'm, I'm afraid. Hey, do you know the same God that gave you that healing? He can take it away. He can take it away. Can't he, Elder? He sure can. I tell you what, I mean, if God does something for me, that's why I tell all these different stories about what God has done. You know what? Whenever I make a tape and I tell those stories about people and call names and places and everything else, you know, I don't just call, I just don't tell a story. I might say, like Johnny Ben, Johnny Brumfield in Manny, Louisiana, when he's, both of his crushed knees were instantly healed when I prayed for him three years ago, whenever it was. Somebody said, Johnny Brumfield in Manny, Louisiana? If that guy's real, I'm going to go to the telephone. I'm going to find out if there's such a man as Johnny Brumfield in Manny, Louisiana. And you look it up, and there is a guy by that name. And you call, and you get his wife. And you say, oh, yeah, Thurman, come down here and pray for my husband. Yeah, three years ago. And he got healed, and he's still going fishing and running and playing. Hey, all you got to do is just realize that when I tell these kind of stories, that's why I don't just say, well, I heard about a guy that over in a certain, certain state, Louisiana, this happened. No, I want you to, if you want to know, I want you to call them and check it out. Because these stories, I tell you, are real. These are real people. You know, this is not some story I got secondhand or thirdhand from somebody else. These are stories that happened to me. I don't hardly ever tell a story of something to somebody else. You know, I mean... If somebody gets healed in our ministry, I like to give God the glory. And, of course, that's why I open the floor on Sunday for you to come give these. Because when people see you telling your own story, they say, Woo, look at that little gal or that little guy. That's the, that person right there I'm looking at, they had this and they got healed. Or they got delivered or whatever. That carries a lot of weight, doesn't it? Especially whenever we supposedly in the church today, so many of us believe that the God that we serve stopped doing miracles with the apostles. But he didn't stop. He only stopped when you don't believe or whenever you're not willing to get rid of your sins. But he says there, this one came back and with a loud voice he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Is that the way we should be? Absolutely. Lord, I praise you and thank you and worship you for all the miracles you do, for all the healings you do. In fact, not only that, but it's real easy for me just to pray. Like this young lady here, she's waving her hand. She's praising the Lord. She didn't get nothing. She's just praising God because she's praising God. Is that right, young lady? You're just glad to know He's your Lord and Savior, right? Amen. You know, and that's what we should be doing. You know, we should, as we go through our day, we should be praising the king. You know, somebody walks in and says something, you'll say, well, praise the king. You know, and I do that a whole lot. You know, I mean, when Eldon and I work together, we have the privilege once in a while to work together. I love to work with him because every time anything happens, he says, praise the king. You know, 
You know, I mean, that's, a, that's a true man of God. Whatever, and no matter what happens, bad or good, praise the king. You know, and so we can tackle anything together. And here a while back the other day, he's going to tell me something. And I said, I already took care of that, Eldon. He said, oh gosh, I forget who I'm working with. He said, I'm working with another man of God that know, that worships and praises the king. And it just happens, doesn't it, Elton? You know, when we worship the Lord together and praise him, he'll do anything for us. He loves it when we worship him and praise him. But he commands us to do this in his word. He commands us to. And this, one, this guy fell down at his feet. And, I mean, he was giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, no less. And it says, so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? You mean, he healed ten? But where are the nine? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Isn't that amazing? You know, today, a lot of people Especially those people that will go to like a Benny Hinn crusade. You know, many people will go to that crusade and they'll get healed. And then when they come back to the church they go to, they won't, a lot of them won't even go up and tell what happened. They won't go. Why? Amazing, isn't it? It just, it just never ceases to amaze me. Men, if I had something wrong with me like that, and I mean, I mean, I'm praising God just for being able to be well. You know, I don't have to be healed of something. I am praising God because I am well. And I don't have to get healed. I don't never want to get healed again. I, I know the King and I want to praise Him and worship Him and thank Him so I don't never have another sick day in my life. Let me tell you, walking in divine health is where it's at. It's not getting healed. It's the thing. It's if you are sick or got a problem, getting healed is a great thing. But then walking in divine health and being able to run and play and do anything you want to do. You know, I love that. And you will too. You know, I don't want to be sick. Do you, young lady? No, absolutely not. You don't want nothing babies of yours to be sick. You want them to be running and playing around the house. Amen. Praise the Lord. But if we walk in obedience to His Word and realize who the devil is and keep him kicked out of our house, we can keep our children well, can't we? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But look what happened to the one that came back. He says, were there not ten? And, but he said, and he said to him, arise. Now this guy is here worshiping. He's on his face. He's praising the king. He says, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. But now, I want you to see in the King James, the word is sozo. The word is sozo. So, this is the way it reads. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Your faith has made you whole. Now then, think about this. A leper, usually because of the numbness in their body parts... What usually happens to a leper's body parts, like his fingers and toes and nose, and what happens to them? They go away. You, know, you lose them. They, whenever you touch something, and if you had no feeling in your hand, with no feeling whatsoever, you know how easy it would be to destroy your hand? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you just reach over to touch something that's sharp, and, I mean, or something that's a little bit warm, 
You just touch it, and man, you back away from that thing. Well, what if you couldn't feel that? What if you put your hand on something to move it, and in a few minutes you looked over and your finger's just burning? You can, you're not feeling a thing. Well, that finger, of course, it was, it's burning, being destroyed, or you mash the end off of it. Where when something starts to mash, you'd normally react. But if you have no feeling, it just goes ahead and maybe takes off a piece of it. So one day you look up and you only got half fingers or whatever, you know. These guys, these other nine, they were healed. But the one that came back, he was made whole. See? What did he do? He come back and worshipped the king. He fell on his face and worshipped. And then when he, Jesus says, you can go your way, you're made whole. And so he looked down to where there was no fingers, no nose. He was completely whole. Does it pay good dividends to come back and worship the king? Now the other nine got healed, but they still got pieces missing. If their nose was missing, there's no more open sore. But they still ain't got no nose on their face. Or if their fingers were missing, there's no more runny sores, but the fingers are still missing. But the one that came back and knelt down before the king and worshipped him and praised him and thanked him for my healing. He said, your faith has made you whole. And the fingers grew out. And the nose grew out. And he stood up a handsome man. See? Do you think it pays good dividends to worship and praise the king? I know it does. I know it does. Now then, if you want something from God, you better learn how to worship and praise the king. Because that's what's going to turn him on. You know, if there's anything I've learned about God, he loves to be worshipped. He loves to be praised. Somebody said, well, I'm a man. I don't worship very well. Let me tell you, learn how. Learn how. If you want to walk in divine health, you want your youth renewed every day like the eagles, you want to be able to run and play when you're 70 years old or 80 years old or 90 years old like you could when you were 40 years old, you better learn to worship and praise God. I think how many people I know that's 20 years younger than me in fact, I was out at the, uh, a place of business the other day talking to a man. He's 45. And this man don't see himself ever working past 60 or 65. He sees himself old right now at 45. Already. I mean, but the world, that's where the world lives today. You know, I mean, I remember before I left out at the airport, retired from the business world, uh, or like kind of forced into retirement, but... Now, that was okay. I, I, I love it with what God put me to do. But I think about one of the head men out there with one of the big departments in, for the airport itself. I don't know why that happens once in a while. I just don't understand that. But anyway, anyway, this man was 60 years old, and he was walking around there checking. I had a real easy job. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it till retirement time or not. I said, well, how old are you going to be when you retire? He said, well, 62 if I make it to 62. I thought to myself, I was already way past that. I was already past 62. No, I guess that's about where I was then, 62. Yeah, yeah, 62, 63. Because, uh, yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe 63. And I thought to myself, 
Here a man is 60 years old, and he sees himself as ancient. He sees himself as ancient. Hey, if you see yourself as ancient when you're 40 or 50 or 60, you're going to be in big trouble. You ain't never going to make it to 70 or 80. You know. But if you see yourself like a son of God that can do anything through Christ so it strengthens you, age is just a number. It's just a number. Amen. Praise God. It's just a number, isn't it, Elvin? Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm not getting older. I'm getting better. <laughs> My wife says she don't, don't see how I do so much work with so few hours sleep. She don't know how I do that. But let me tell you, I am the youngest 17-year-old she ever saw. That's all I got to say. <laughs> you know, I'm still 17 years old. I can still wheel and deal and go do anything I can do, and I'm never going to get old. Praise the Lord. I love being young, you know, because God has made us the promises in His Word. You know, if we ever meet a person, man or woman, that will read this book and take it at face value and believe it to its nth degree, there ain't nothing you can't do. You know that? The promises are there, aren't they, girl? They are there. They're there, aren't they? Yeah, so when you read this book, you've got to realize that this book was written to you and me. And everything in there, just like all these little stories we're reading tonight. These stories are put in there as an example of how you and I need to treat the king if we want to see him do these wonderful things for us. Why do you think he put these in here? Just for history lesson? No, he's put it in here to let you know what he likes. You know? They come and ask him to heal them. He said, okay, go see the priest. And they obeyed. A lot of people, when you're told to do something, they don't obey. They disobey. But at least they obeyed. But whenever they noticed they were healed, only one of them turned and come back and said, Oh, Lord, I want to praise you and worship. And fell on his knees in his face before him and worshipped him. Do you think the king likes worship? I know he does. Can you imagine that? When he says... Mm, your faith, because of your worship and your faith, you're made whole. And I can just see those fingers and hands where the scars were no more. And they just come out there in a beautiful hand. I can see the guy where he had either maybe no hand or a nub. And all of a sudden it's become a beautiful hand with no scars. He's made whole right before his eyes. Wow. Boy, wait till he gets up to them other guys and say, you guys missed it. You guys should have went back and worshipped the king like I did. And they say, this can't be you. Here we are, we're healed. But you look like one of us. You look like one of us that used to be out there. But you had hands missing and fingers and nose missing. And how come you're made whole? He said, I went back and worshipped him. I knelt at his feet and I worshipped him. Somebody said, well, I ain't going to worship him. Well, let me tell you, you ain't going to get much from him. All you got to do is learn to worship. This is like a woman told me one time when her, she was having trouble with her husband. I said, the problem's you. I said, you need to worship your husband. I said, you need to bow down in front of him and call him Lord. She said, if you think I'm going to bow down in front of him and call him Lord, you got another thing coming. I said, well, you're a disobedient daughter. 
I said, the Lord told you to call your husband Lord. Cheryl's read that every time she gets a little upset with me. <laughs> She'll come over and say, yes, Lord. <laughs> I know what she means when she goes there. I know I've done something I'm not supposed to do. <laughs> and at least instead of going bad, she says, yes, Lord. <laughs> it, it kind of brings me back to let me realize, hey, you know, I need to walk in a holy place before God. She does it so gently, you know, the way she does that. But once in a while, she just comes, jumps in my lap, say, hi, Lord, I love you. You know, and then what can she have then? Anything she wants. Yeah, that's why she does that. <laughs> the other day she comes, jumps in my lap, said uh, uh, something like that. Uh, and then she says, uh, I said, what do you want? She said, oh, I'm, I'm gonna run. they're having a sale downtown on some dress. I'm going to run down there for a little while. And she did. <laughs> oh, I told her, I said, I'm not going. I can't stand to think about what you might do. <laughs> oh, so she went down there and bought her a bunch of new clothes. Come home and, and put those on. The next day, she showed them to me. And the next day, she, I was out working. And she put on a beautiful new dress and a top and everything. All fully laced and all kinds of stuff and walked outside in her bare feet and it's already noon so it's a hundred degrees and I'm out there working and she walks out there and says, I, I said, wow, are you beautiful? And I said, oh, now that you're out here, would you take this end of the tape and help me measure this? <laughs> I put her to work and she, in a little while she's bent down. She I can't believe I'm out here in these beautiful clothes helping you measure things. <laughs> so, Anyway, she didn't stay long. It was too hot, barefooted and everything else. So she had to go back in the house pretty quick. But see, out there, what I, you don't never come out. I don't care how you're dressed. I'll put you to work. <laughs> Some of you girls, you know how it is, right? Your husband can put you to work. Sure he can, yeah. Oh, goodness. But whenever, whenever you help him, when you do, you know, when you do those kind of things, help him, you know, then it's a whole lot easier to get things from him, too, when you need something. You know, when you do help him. But that's why God made you his helpmate. But that's the same way it is between us and God. When we worship him and praise him and thank him. If, if I worship him and praise him all the time. And I believe that's why I'm able to walk in divine health. But if these men were sick. And they asked for him to heal them. And they all ten got healed. But the one that came back and worshipped and praised, he got made whole. So you can see there's a tremendous advantage to worshiping and praising the Lord. So, remember, He's there and He's listening and He loves worship and praise. So don't be ashamed to worship Him and praise Him. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're around people. I mean, just like, praise the King. And walk in a place of business, somebody said, hi, how you doing? Say, praise God, I'm doing great, but I'm rapidly improving. You know, praise the King. Because if you do, you can walk in divine health. And I love that. Now then, let's go on to a, another place here. The, now, the Lord tells us to be obedient. If He tells us to do something, He tells us to be obedient. Now, if you tell your children to do something and they're obedient, do you like it? Yeah. I mean, it's just like men. When men work for me, and I tell them to do something, if they do what I ask them to do, then they're obedient. Hey, I have never have a problem with a man 
that'll do what I tell him to do if he works for me. If he don't work for me, I don't tell him what to do. But if they work for me and I tell them what to do, I expect obedience. You know, and if they don't, well, then there's going to be a problem. That's just the way life is. But let's see if the king, let's see what he says here. Let's go to 1 Samuel 15, 22. 1 Samuel 15, 22. And let's see what the, and I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version. In 1 Samuel 15, 22. <clears throat> Yeah, first Samuel fifteen twenty two. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord said, Has the Lord has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Now, if God tells you to obey, how do you know what to obey? Now, what if you don't know the Word? Where are you going to find out what He likes? In the Word. When you read the Word of God, you know that just like last week uh, as we were talking, uh, in fact Sunday, I was talking about idle words, you know, foolish talking and jesting. The Lord says, in fact, He starts out saying fornication, adultery, and covetousness. I don't like it. Don't let it be found among my children not one time. So you, you think he would like it if you go out and committed fornication or adultery? No, he wouldn't like that at all. Not at all. But then he goes right behind that and says, and jesting and foolish talking. Don't let that be found amongst you either. Because he said, I will judge you for every idle word you speak. Now, if you don't think we as Christians have a lot of jesting and joking and foolish talking, you just need to be around us. You have to really watch your tongue or you can tell something, you know. And preacher jokes is something that lots of people tell in the church. But, you know, the Lord says you've got to be careful about them preacher jokes. I mean, I don't think all preacher jokes are bad. But if it's got a slant on it toward a particular denomination or a particular person that's going to hurt that denomination of that person, then it's wrong. You know, it's wrong. Somebody said, well, them Baptists, you know, or them Church of Christ, or them Methodists, or them Catholics, or whatever. You know, we say things with a slant, and the Lord says, hey, I don't like that. So, can you do that anyway? Do you have freedom to do that anyway? Sure, you can do that if you want to. But what if you need a prayer answered pretty soon? You come say, Lord, I need this. i got a terrible problem here. And he says, I'm not listening. Not until you get those sins repented of. I told you I don't like that. So you stop doing that if you want me to answer your prayer. Isn't that amazing? And so when we begin to see these things that what he says he likes and what he doesn't like, then if we want our prayers answered, we've got to do it his way. You know? So I love to get my prayers answered, don't you, Rosemary? I do. You do. So we know we've got a requirement there, don't we, girl? 
That's right. if we don't if we don't read the owner's manual, we don't know what the king likes and what he don't like. But when we read and find out what he does like and he doesn't like, then it's up to you and me to do what he said, right? Yeah. So it, and it's a and boy, when we do what he says, man, the blessings are awesome, aren't they? They are absolutely magnificently wonderful. Now then. <clears throat> He says he loves for us to obey. In fact, he says obeying. I don't know what causes that little problem. Uh, Dave, are you moving anything or doing anything or is that just happening? Just happens. Okay. I don't understand that. I, I just don't understand why that does that. If nothing is being changed, I don't understand. But anyway, in the Living Bible... In verse 22, let me read it out of there. It says, Samuel replied that the Lord takes pleasure in, in your offerings and your sacrifices as in your obedience. But he says, obedience is far better. Obedience is far better than sacrifice. He is much more interested in your listening to him than in your offering the fat of ram's to him. So the Lord is very, very I, I don't know the word I want to say here. He, he's very, very concerned about our obeying him. In other words, uh, in the process of reading his word, if he tells us under the New Testament, like for instance, he says, do all things with thanksgiving. Do you think he likes that when we say thank you, Lord? When we sat down in a restaurant or sat down at home or get a glass of water and said, Lord, I want to thank you for this glass of water. Do you think the king likes that? He said, do everything with thanksgiving. I mean, you go out and get in your car to go home and say, Lord, thank you for this car. Thank you that this car is going to run beautiful. Now, I'm going to go home in it. Thank you for the gas you put in it. Thank you for the money you give me to buy gas so I can go home so I don't have to walk. I'm thanking you. You know, Lord, I'm not grumbling and complaining. You know, I'm grateful. Now, you might say, oh, this gas is so high, I hate this. And you might grumble and complain with it. But don't do too much grumbling and complaining with that because he said he don't like grumbling and complaining. So if you keep grumbling and complaining, it might be that you don't have the gas money before long to buy it anymore. Whereas if you're saying, Lord, thank you that you, you promised to meet all of our needs. So gasoline is getting more expensive, but I know you're going to provide. And so, I mean, I know I got the money to buy this gas so I can go home, so I can go to work, and so I can do all the things I need to do. I want to thank you and praise you. And if we keep doing it his way and praise him, he's going to make sure that it'll take, that you'll have the money you need to go. Because he does, he also said in his word, not only to do everything with thanksgiving, he said don't do nothing with grumbling and complaining. Now I have to really watch that one. That really can get a hold of me in a hurry. Grumbling and complaining. It's, you know how easy it is to fall into grumbling? I mean, I can, I can be blessing the Lord in one second and, and all of a sudden something go wrong and I can be right into that grumbling mode. Can't we? Sure, we, every one of us can, you know. <laughs> Do you watch? Did the slip and slide, Rosemary? It's easy, isn't it? It is so easy to get into that. But, but that's why the Holy Spirit, and that's why we need each other. You know, so uh, whenever I do something every once in a while, uh, you know, Cheryl will have to tell me something or she'll say something and I'll say, no, no, we're not going there. So we work together on that. 
And, you know, every once in a while, you know, I'll say something. She's, oh, no. And I say, okay, Lord, i got to repent. Or she'll say something. And I say, no. She, oh, Lord, I repent. You know, I'm not going there. But that's what the Lord told us. Iron sharpens iron. You know, that's why He gives us each other. To help each other. When you see your brother or sister doing something, just like I walked into a parts house the other day, and there's, a, I think, a 46 or a 40-something-year-old man in there. And I was in there buying some parts. And, and he come in, and, and he, I said, he said, how are you doing? I said, man, I'm doing fantastic. He said, well, man, I wish I was doing that good. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I've had a hard day and I'm getting so old I can't do nothing no more. I said, well, good grief, you don't look very old to me. And he said, well, I don't even want to tell you how old I am. He said, I'm getting really up there. And besides that, I'm tired and I'm wore out. And he said, I don't, I don't know. He said, I've just had a bad day. I said, well, boy, I'm glad I don't have bad days. I said, you must not be a Christian. He said, what? He said, well, of course I'm a Christian. I said, well, then why are you having a bad day? I said, Jesus is your Savior. He said, you can do all things through Christ. He said, he renews your youth like the eagles. I said, nothing shall be impossible with you. He stopped and looked at me and said, are you real? I said, well, yeah, I'm quoting the Word of God to you. And so after 30 minutes later, whatever, this guy's going out of there. He's, his whole countenance has changed. He said, I'm glad I run into you today. I said, hey, we're supposed to be brothers in Christ. You know, here the devil had him beat down. He's about this tall. And I'm walking about nine feet tall. You know, so I reached down and got him and with the Word of God and lifted him back up. When he went out the door, he almost hit his head on the door. You know, he's standing straight up. But see, that's what we're supposed to do for each other, right? Lift each What did the Lord say? Edify each other. Build each other up. Remind each other who we are in Christ. Hey, we're sons of God. Yeah, the devil may be here doing it, but let me pat you on the back and let's kick that beast out. And let me tell you some of the promises of God. Well, that old boy, I mean, when he went out of that story, he said, Man, am I glad I met you today. I feel a whole lot better. It's just, it's a matter of words. See? Now, now, if you walk in there and he says, how's your day going? He says, oh, i got a terrible day. He says, well, me too. Let's join the crowd. If I had any luck, it would be bad. You hear that too often too, don't you? Well, see, what does that do? That just keeps building everybody down. That don't edify nobody. So you've got to edify them, build them up. And, I mean, when the Word of God's in your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. And it's going to change everybody around you. Isn't it, Gina? Sure. It'll change you, change your kids. It'll change everybody, won't it? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, we, a little private joke there, story. We know something the rest of them don't know. But some of us know it. <laughs> Rosemary knows it too. Praise the Lord. But we know here that the Lord says clearly that obedience is far better than sacrifice. So if we will obey Him and do what He says, just like an example. He says, husbands, love your wives. If a husband loves his wife, what happens? It makes life wonderful at home. And then he says, wives, obey your husbands. Submit to them. So if your wives do that too, if a wife will submit to her husband and a husband will love her, his wife like he's supposed to, what kind of blessings can you have at home? Your life can be blessed. I mean blessed. You know, I mean... <clears throat> Then after you have worshipped and praised the Lord, you can come to Him in prayer. And faith, and what can you get from the Lord? That's what He says, isn't it? Anything. 
after you've worshipped. Now, what if you're not willing to worship Him? You ain't going to get much from Him. He loves worship and praise. He loves it. And if you want to get your prayers answered, you're going to have to learn to worship and praise the Lord. He loves it. It turns Him on. It really does. Worship and praise turns the King on. And when you worship Him and praise Him and you're able to talk to people, I mean, walk into your place of business and say, Praise the Lord! Thank you, Jesus! You know, don't be hesitant to praise God. And then when somebody has a need, I mean, I can remember when I was still in the workforce, especially the last ten years, my faith was so up there that I could not even begin to tell you the mighty miracles and healings and answers to prayer that I, had, I saw. I mean, you know, I could stop with a group of guys. We couldn't figure out something was wrong with a piece of equipment or whatever. I said, guys, it's time to pray. Let's stop and worship the Lord. And we'd ask Him. And the, the message would come either to me or one of the other guys. That's just like a, a good friend of mine that used to, he's retired now, but he used to work for Southwest. And he was up there pretty high in management. And the Boeing 737 came out, and when one of the new series came out, they had a valve problem of some kind in the hydraulics, and they could not figure out what it was. They, this problem, this airplane had this problem, and so they were talking about grounding all these things. And, of course, that cost the airlines a lot of money when they do that. So they had a big meeting here in Dallas with all the Boeing engineers, or not all of them, but a bunch of them. And they're trying to figure out, and they had, for a day or two, they cannot figure out what's wrong with this airplane. So he finally said, hey, guys, I'm going to go out and ask God. He's going to tell me what's wrong. Now, that's kind of something you don't hear very often, is it? But he's a strong man of God. He goes outside into his office. He spends a few minutes out there and says, Lord, you've got to show me what's wrong with this airplane. Because these men want to know. I want to know. We don't want nobody to get hurt. And I know you don't want nobody to get hurt. So, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you and worship you for telling me what's wrong with this airplane. And immediately the Lord told him, a particular hydraulic valve and a particular component in the hydraulic valve that was causing the problem. He goes back out there and he said, the Lord just told me, it's this valve and this is what's wrong with it. One of the engineers jumped up and said, there is no way that's the problem. He said, I guarantee that's the problem. It canceled the meeting. They said, we're going to go back and check that valve out. A few days later, they called back and said, he's right, that's the problem. They modified the valve. That Boeing 737-8 never had that problem again to this day. Now, what, where, can you, where can you go to get the answer? To the king. The king is in you. And he says in Colossians chapter 2 that all the secrets of the universe are hidden in Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. Well, where is he? Right here. He's not far away, is he? And so if all the secrets of the universe are hidden in him, then they're in you. All you've got to do is ask him and he'll reveal it to you. Providing you're not afraid to stand up in front of 50 people in a big board meeting and say, I'm going to go outside and pray and God's going to tell me what's wrong with this airplane. You know what kind of guts it took for a man to go outside to do that in today's world? It took a man that knew who his God was. That's all i got to say. And God showed him, told him. And that man's still a friend of mine. He's, he's retired now from Southwest, but man, he is a man of God. He loves the Lord with all his heart. Hey, let me tell you, if you're not ashamed of the king and you're willing to worship and praise him in front of everybody, even in your workplace, you can pray and ask him for anything. When you come to him in faith, he will tell you the answer. He will meet your needs. He is forever real and awesome.
And I'm telling you, I would have hated the thought I had to go through the business world I went through with the responsibilities I had, and I didn't have the king behind me every day to help me. I could never have done what I'd done without him. No way. And, of course, the, in later years, the, I worked for the uh, industry in the engineering world for 29 years. That's after I'd got come out of the aviation world and everything else. That's after I'd been laid off from the airlines because the, they'd went bankrupt and I was too old. By the time you get 35 years old or 32 years old or whatever, you're ancient. And nobody wants to hire you as a pilot at 32. They want a 22, not 32. You know, so I had to go into something else. <clears throat> so I left the flying world and went into the engineering world. And uh, I knew the Lord, but the more I've come to know him, the greater become the miracles of building and designing equipment. It's amazing, you know, the visions and the dreams. And when I would go to bed praying over something, Lord, i got to know how to build this piece of equipment for my people, the people I work for. They need this piece of equipment. And, Lord, I know that I can put this together. If you'll just give me the other little pieces I need to put this thing together. And, Lord, I'll always give you the glory and the praise. I'll never tell them I did this. I'll tell them you did it. And I did. And man, he showed me how to build stuff. I built stuff and did things and built buildings with record time and record money and everything else. And it's amazing how you can do these things if you're serving the living God and you're willing to humble yourself before him and ask him. He will allow you to do great and awesome things as long as you give him the credit. (laughs) But (laughs) don't dare take it yourself because if you do, man, he'll cut you off. I guarantee you don't share his glory with nobody. That's just like when it comes to healing. When you pray over somebody for them to get healed, somebody says, I went down there and Thurman healed me. I said, no, I, I didn't have nothing to do. I just prayed the prayer for you. That's all. Jesus healed you. That's the only thing I did. I got to pray the prayer of faith for you. So that's, well, you, that's the way you've got to do it. You can't take the glory yourself. He will not share it with you. Now then, if, if we have to come to him and worship him and praise him, and we come to Him in prayer and in faith, and He'll do all these wonderful things for us, then this faith that we're talking about, this is something that took me a lot of years to understand what faith was. Now, I thought I knew what faith was. But that's just like the other day, I thought I knew what a tree was. I've been down in South Texas, or East Texas, and I've seen trees that were this big around. I mean, I thought them were trees. Because from Dallas, a tree this big is a tree. You know, that's kind of like you think we're in the light rolling hills. Some people say, man, these are mountains. No, no, you go to South Texas and you think those are mountains. They're three or 4,000 feet tall. Until you go to Colorado and you say, them's mountains. And then you go to the Swiss Alps and you think, them's mountains. <laughs> You know, so it all—it's all you know, you know, relative. But the other day, when we were in Linden, Washington, on Wednesday they took us up to Mount Baker, and Clyde and his wife Mary Lou—they know they've lived there a long time, so they know all the little special deals along the highway going up. So we're going up, and he said, at mile forty-three point eight, we're going to stop as a little bitty pull-off. I want to take you back up in the woods. So we did. And we walked up through the woods, and I got a whole new perspective of what a tree is. 
we walked up in it and I began to see trees that were 8 and 10 feet in diameter. That's 30 to 35 feet around that tree. And then we saw one that was, had fell and it was laying down and it was broke off and a bunch of debris and stuff around it. We climbed up on top of it and stood on top of it and coming out of the side there was a tree this big around that was growing out a shoot off of the stump. And I thought, what a tree. I mean, that's a tree to me. And that's just a little bitty thing coming out of the stump. And we walked that tree, and that tree was 100 big steps long. You know how? That's 100 yards. That's 300 feet. That's long as a football field. A tree. And it was nearly 10 foot high at the base. Now, let me tell you, that's a tree. And I said, man, these are trees. And he said, well, they are until you go down to the Sequoia Forest in North uh, uh, California. And he said, there's trees down there that make these look little. I thought, my. And I stopped and back off and I think, and God, why do I have so much trouble believing you can heal a body? You know, and that's. And he says, I can only imagine up there where Mount St. Uh, was it Mount St. Helens that blew up? Was that the one? I can only imagine when Clyde was saying he drove up there after that happened. And he said there was literally humongous trees, big monsters, that all the way up and down over there where that thing blew out the side... Those trees just like matchsticks were broke off and laying down as far as you could see. Just like God says, and the trees just went. You talk about blowing out candles? You know, those trees, 100, 200 feet tall, 4, 5, 6, 8 feet, 900, just lay down on the ground just like that. You talk about a God that's full of power. He says, oh, if you think that's something, you ought to see this. Just like in a few days, we're going to see an awesome thing that only happens every few thousand years. I think it's the 27th or the 28th, Mars is going to be the closest it's ever been. And it's going to be as big as the moon when it passes by. Yeah. You won't be there. It's only going to be here one or two days. So it's like the 26th or 7th or 8th of this month. And it, once it goes by... It won't make this trip this close again for 2,000 years. So I doubt seriously if any of us will be here to see it the second go-around. <laughs> but we'll be in our glorified body, so we'll get to see it. Like next time he comes back, I'm going to be standing on it. I'm going to go out there watching it, you know. You know. We get to travel at the speed of thought. We don't have any idea the wonderful things that God has prepared for those of us that love him and serve him. But he says he has revealed these things to us by his Spirit. So we do know. We do know. But we're going to get to see a real event. He's going to say, hmm, I'm going to bring Mars close enough so y'all can really see it. And they said, at least somebody that told me, I don't watch television, but somebody told me, they said, they saw somebody on television, on the news, said that it's going to be almost, if not quite, as big as the moon. I mean, that's something, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? But it's only going to be here for one or two days. So, you know, I'm sure going to try my best to see it when it's here. But just think, God is giving us these signs 
He's giving us these signs and things to let us know that, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm God, folks. You know, hey, look up. Read my word. If you want to know what turns me on, read my word. That's what, that's what turns me on. You know, you want to walk in divine health, you want to see me answer your prayers, worship me. Praise me. Get in my word. Study my word to show yourself approved unto me. And he said, if you will, he said, I'll do great and wonderful things for you. Now, if you're not willing to worship him and praise him, forget it. You ain't going to get much from him. But then he says, how do you know? We're talking about this wonderful faith. He says that if we have faith, we can ask for anything. We can see if you have faith, Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible with you. I mean, he made those statements over and over and over in his word. What in the world is this stuff? How do you get it? Where do you get it? And if you don't have it, can you please him? No. Hmm. He says in Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. Just think that we, we learn here what the king likes. But look what he says in Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please me. So if you don't please him, what are you going to get from him? Not much. It's kind of like a woman that never pleases her husband and nothing she does. What's she going to get from him? Not very much. That's right. He's not just going to go overboard to do wonderful things for you if you don't please him. But a wise woman, the first thing she learned to do is please her husband. When she pleases him, what will he do for her? Anything. That's right. Yeah, so it's like this woman that time that told me, this deacon's wife, up there at Lakeland Baptist Church, I'll go that far. And I told her, I said, you're the problem, and you need to worship your husband, and you need to call him Lord. And she said, if you think I'm going to call my husband Lord, it'll be over his dead body. I said, well, you ain't never going to get very much from him, I guarantee you. I said, because you're a disobedient daughter. And I said, another thing too, you might as well not pray either because God ain't going to hear your prayer. Did he tell the women to obey their husbands? Did the king say, wives, submit or obey your husbands? So if you don't do that, what do you think you're going to get from God? Go over and read First Peter. Not tonight, not right now. Yeah, but write down First Peter. Read and see what the Lord... Really read it and, and really read it in several translations and everything and see what all he told the wife to do when he's talking about Sarah and Abraham there. Yeah, just read that, you know, and see what happens for... The, in other words, God made the woman for the man. And he told her to obey her husband... You know, and call him Lord. You know, that's written. You know, so you need to really read that in detail. And the woman that learns that, and he also says in the book of Proverbs, he has a lot of things to say about the women, and especially in Proverbs 31. You know, starting with verse 10. You know, boy, you find a woman that meets that criteria today, you got a woman. You know, I mean, Wow. Praise the king. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you can't just flippantly read the Bible. You, first of all, you've got to believe that he is. That he's God. There has to be no question in your heart. Is he God? Absolutely. Is there a real man that stands at the throne of the universe that's about six foot one or two or three, weighs about 180, 190 pounds, that looks just exactly like a normal man, only he's got holes in his hands and a hole in his side and holes in his feet. And he's running the cosmos every day. Yeah. And his name's Jesus. A man. And you'll be amazed when you see him. He's going to be a man. Isn't that amazing? I don't know what's causing that. We're going to have to figure that out. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 says, Behold, the soul which is lifted up, It's not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just, who are the just? That's you and me. What does it mean to be justified? To be justified means that when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have been made just as if you had never sinned. So you're justified. By the blood of the Lamb. So if you've committed all kinds of sins, I don't care what you've done. You've been the worst one in the world, you think. And when you come to Jesus, how just are you? 100% pure. When you come to Christ, He redeemed you from all your sins. And He put a clean white robe on you. And when He cleaned you up and made you whole, you are just as if you had never sinned a day in your life. Now you got, but now here's the, you have to receive that by faith, and you have to apply it to your life by faith. Because every time you turn around, the devil will say, Oh, you remember all them sins you did yesterday or last year. Oh, he couldn't possibly forgive an old wicked person like you. And we believe that. Oh, I'm just a old... Wicked sinner saved by grace. No, I used to be a wicked sinner, and I was saved by grace. But I ain't a wicked sinner no more. I'm a son of God now. You're a daughter of the king, right? And you've got to start seeing yourself like that. You've got to see yourself. And how many people today break this one commandment? The Lord says you're to love me first with all your heart, and then your neighbor as yourself. And how many people do you know that when you ask them, and Cheryl and I, especially since we come back from Germany, we found so many beautiful ladies over there that were sick and afflicted because they didn't love themselves. Is it a sin to not love yourself? Of course it is. God told you to love yourself. So if you don't think what he made is lovable, then, hey, you're sinning. You know, I mean, he made that thing, so you ought to love it, right? Take care of it. 
You know, don't go out and smoke and drink and cuss and run around with wild people and all that dumb stuff and abuse that body and drink extra alcohol and all that stuff. And again, when you're 45, your liver's failing. You know, he told you to take care. He said, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to me. So, do you have the privilege to go ahead and go out and drink if you want to? Do you have the freedom to drink if you want to? Sure, you can. But if you overindulge, what's going to happen? You might get killed in a car wreck. Or you might kill somebody else. Or, just think, if you smoke, yeah, you can smoke. It won't take you to hell. But it sure might take you to heaven a whole lot quicker. You ever stop to think about that? So it kills your body. You're sinning and you're smoking. You're putting that nicotine in your body. And we all know that it says right there on the package it causes cancer. But that won't happen to me. Oh, yes, it will. Yep. And so you didn't present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, so you wound up your body died at 45. Well, you know somebody when you're 10 years old, and you say, golly, she's 45. They say, golly, isn't she old? Isn't that the way it looks? When you were 10 years old, and somebody was 45, you think they were old? Sure you did, yeah. But when you get to be 45... And then when you get to be up there where I am now, you look back at them kids that are 45. Wow, them kids, 45, they ain't you dry behind the ears yet at 45. Good grief. You know, you think they hadn't even learned how to live yet. You know, they don't even know. They have no idea how to live yet. They're just 45. Wow. I mean... Back at 2-4. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. But the just shall live by faith. Now, that, that's in the Word of God four times, and I'm going to show them to you. The next one's in Romans 1, 17. It's only in the Old Testament one time. Did you know I found something very unique talking about this faith? I One night I went into my computer, and I used the King James to look up stuff. And I said, how many times is the word faith used in the King James? And it was used 247 times, the word faith. 247 times. You know how many times it was used in the Old Testament? I mean, this is the whole Bible, 247. You know how many times in the King James Bible the word faith is used in the Old Testament? Two. Two times. 245 times it's used in the New Testament. We stepped into a new world, didn't we? Yeah. But faith is only used twice, the word faith. Now, it's implied many times, but actually the word faith is only used twice in the King James Bible. And 245 times in the New Testament in the King James. But he really talks about this faith stuff. But the just shall live by faith, back at 2.4, was one of the verses where it was used one of the two times. That's one of them right there. But Romans 1.17 says also, says, and the just shall live by faith. And then in Galatians 3.11, he says again, So that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And then in Hebrews 10.8, Now the just shall live by faith. For if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, if we don't walk by faith and don't trust God's promises and we draw back and trust something else or someone else, 
What did he say? That did, does that please him? It says he didn't please him. It would be just like if you were married and had a husband, and your husband says, well, I'm going to trust another woman to do this job for me instead of you. Would that make you happy? Not at all. Not at all. <clears throat> wow. See, she didn't hesitate in asking the answer, did she? Well, I mean, that's right, just right out of her mouth. Not at all. Well, now, what do you think God does? What did he say in his word? If we draw back and trust something else or someone else instead of him as faith children, we are supposed to trust him for everything. We're supposed to trust him for our salvation, for our healing, you know, for our, our, our blessings of life. We're supposed to trust him for our mate. You know, we're not supposed to go out and look for our own mate. We're supposed to trust God. You're supposed to pray and ask Him, Lord, you want me to have a mate? I want a godly mate. I know you know the mate, man, woman, whatever you are. I know you know who that mate is out there and ask you to bring them to me. Now, Lord, I ain't going out and look. I'm going to wait for you to bring them to me. And when you do, what will He do? He'll bring you the right one. You won't have to go through three or four, five or six or seven or eight divorces. You know, He'll bring you the right one. You know. He'll bring the one that's perfect for you. Couldn't be no more perfect. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's God. So we need to trust him in everything. You know, and he said, if we don't trust him, if we draw back and trust someone else, he said, I am not happy with you. So, I think about, I believe it was King Hezekiah, that he had a problem. I think it was Hezekiah. It might not have been, but I think that was him. The king that had a problem with his feet, one day he had a problem with his feet, and he went to the doctor and didn't ask God for... Who, who, which, which, which king was that? Huh? I, I, king Asa. Yeah, that's who it was. I think it was King Asa. Anyway, one of the kings in the Old Testament, I forget now where it is. I, I mean, sometimes I've quoted that, and I, right now I can't think where it's at. It said the king had a problem with his feet. And instead of going to God, he went to the doctor. And the Lord was upset with him and told him, because you went to that doctor instead of me, you're going to die. And he did. Isn't that something? That story's in the Bible. God tells him, because you went to the doctor instead of me, instead of you trusted in the arm of a man, instead of me, now you're going to die with that problem you had in your feet. And he did. In other words, did he say we're supposed to live by faith? Did he say we're supposed to trust him? Did he promise to heal us? But well, we don't trust him. We, can, we believe God can do it with the doctor's help. And that's, that's, but that's where we are. That's where we are. And I'm telling you, it's a good thing we have some good doctors out there because if we didn't have doctors, most of us don't have enough faith to get healed on our own. You know, there's some things... We just seem to not be able to get it done with God. You know? I mean, I, I think about, of course, you know, we think about Philip. You know, that lived right out there at the ministry center. Him and his lovely little wife are out there every day making tapes. I think about 11 years ago that for 11 years, 8 years, he was 11 years old. 8 years, little boy had warts and scars. He'd been to the doctors, tried to burn them off, and they got worse and worse. And for 8 years, he had those warts and scars all over his body. 
And finally, one day, his mother and dad heard me teaching the Word and asked me to come to the house. I went over there and got built their faith two and a half, three hours, prayed the prayer of faith for them, guaranteed them the king of the universe would take off the scars, the warts and the scars, and within four weeks' time, not a wart or a scar. And today he ain't got a mark on his body as he rose me. Every day. Every day. Oh, yeah, yeah, and uh, they're, have, they're going to have their first baby uh, in three weeks. On August the 27th, we're going to have a baby shower right here. That's on Sunday afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, at 4 o'clock after church. Have a little baby shower for Krista and Phil. Their first baby, you know, wow, are they in for something. <laughs> for all of us that have already raised babies, they're in for a blessing. They are a blessing, I'll tell you for sure. But it'll change your life. Change your life. I guarantee. But it, it is fun raising children. I, I have raised two. My wife and I raised two of them. And I'm grateful for those little critters. And, uh, you know, I love them. I love them. You know, last night I was thinking as I went over to the house, of course, Tim was over there with his lovely wife and their two children and then Caitlin, my little granddaughter. And she lives with them now. And all of them are running around playing. Madison, she's just not quite a year old, 11 months old, and she's walking. That little tiny girl, you know, just stand up there just as erect, you know, take them little bitty steps. And I thought, isn't that something? We are so blessed. You know, here all of our babies are well. You know, my son is healthy. My daughter-in-law is healthy. Cheryl and I are healthy. Her children are healthy. You know, we're all able to work and go and do things. How blessed we are. How blessed we are. It's easy to worship and praise God. You know, we, are, we have so much. We're so blessed. And the more we worship Him and praise Him, the more He loves to do for us. But you've got to worship Him and praise Him, just like He said. Without, but without faith, it's impossible to please me. And if you don't live by faith, he said, you don't please me. So I wonder how often we don't please him. Pretty often, I think. I think a lot of times we don't have a clue what it means to walk in faith. Yes, do you have a question? I have a question. Okay, hold it just a minute. We'll get you a mic where we can, everybody can hear it. Okay. If you're already afflicted and you're waiting for your uh, manifestation. Amen. Do you take vitamins and do alternative uh, uh, therapies and so forth? Well, all all I got to say is, of course, now, I, I never tell anybody what to do there. I always tell them, you have to go to God and ask Him what to do. Because I don't know, you know, where you are in your faith walk, just like Dave Rosenfeld. When Dave come to me, he said, Thurman, I've had this all my life and I've been on all this different, whatever, medications and all this stuff. Do I get off of it? I said, you ask God. That's not my job. I just pray the prayer of faith for you. That's between you and the king. So Dave went to the Lord. He said, Lord, do I need this stuff? And the Lord told him, no. All you need is me. Well, he got off of all his medication and in just a couple of days he was significantly worse. And he kept getting worse and worse. And after six months, I had people right here in his church. He looked so bad in six months. 
I had people right in his church come up to him and said, Dave, i got a doctor in Dallas that I have great faith in. You need to go see him. They said, I have a doctor I have great faith in too. And his name's Jesus. And he told me to get off the medication. And I'm off of it. And I ain't going to do nothing except trust him and read his word. Well, he did what God told him. And today, 18 total months later, he was completely healed. And today, he, you can just speak the name of Jesus and both hands goes up. I mean, you know. I mean, you know. So, you see. I can't tell you what to do. I don't know where your faith level is. And so I would never dare step into that world and say, Yeah, if you really believe God, just get off your medication and throw it all away. I don't know where your faith level is. You know, God knows where it is, but I don't know where it is. You know, and so that's why I see when people that are, on, that are diabetics and so forth, when I pray for them, do I throw away my insulin? I said, you ask God. You know, he may have a different plan down through there, and he might wait three months and then say, okay, go cut back 50% and then get off. Or he might just tell them. I've had them people say, God told me to just throw it away. And I'm taking whatever, two or three doses a day. And I said, well, that's between you and God. I ain't telling you. You know, I'm not the doctor. I, 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 Jesus is the doctor. And he knows where your faith level is. That's just like the day that uh, Miss uh, Emily Dotson was here. And she's now 75 or 76. But when Emily was here, when she was 53, she had a terminal cancer. And she had found out that Jesus was the healer. Now, she'd been raised a Baptist, and she didn't know this. She'd had 13 surgeries times she's 53 years old. And now she's got lupus, I believe it was, and she's going to die in a few months. And then she learned Jesus was the healer. And so she sat down one day and wrote down on a piece of paper, I, Emily Dawson, have found out today that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and He's not only the Savior, He's the healer. And all of His promises are yes and amen. So I am healed by His stripes, signed Emily Dawson, this day, this time, and, and laid the deal down. A few months later, she's still really bad, and she goes to another church somewhere where there's a man preaching faith, and she said, that man preached from 6 or 7 o'clock every evening until midnight every night for a week. She, I ain't never been to a Baptist church had a service more than an hour. But she said, for sure I ain't never seen one had five hours of teaching nonstop like this guy did. But she said, my faith was high and said at the end of the week, he wouldn't let nobody come up for prayer during the week. But he said, it's the last night. He said, okay, now then that I built y'all's faith in the promises of God, anybody who wants up to come up for healing, come up here. And Emily said, I turned over and looked at my friend that brought me and said, should I go up there and let him pray for me? And she said, well, I don't know. Why don't you ask God? So she said, Lord, do I need to go up there and let him pray for me? And she said, the Lord spoke to me clear and says, on a certain date, you signed a piece of paper, said, I, Emily Dotson, said, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Was it done then or not? She said, it was done. He said, okay, you don't need him to pray for you. You see? So she fought that battle another six months after that, continued to get worse, but stood on the promises, and finally came out on the other side a total of a year later, totally healed, totally trusted God. She said, there was times I'd just get out of that bed and stomp my feet and say, you devil of hell, you're not going to have me in the name of Jesus. And she said, I took away from the devil what was rightfully mine. It took me a year, but now then she's 75 or 76 years old, and she's ball of fire, on fire for Jesus, and had no more surgeries or nothing. But 20 years ago, she was on her deathbed. 20 years ago. And now she is a ball of fire. She's preached right here. Well, in fact, she started preaching at 2.30 that afternoon, and we didn't quit that night till 10. She was still praying for people at 10 o'clock that night. I told her, I said, that's it. 
you know, let's go to the house. There's still about 20 people here. I told her, I said, that's it. The rest of y'all, you're going to have to come back. <laughs> I said, we've been here. We, gonna, we don't want to wear out Miss Emily. You know, she's been preaching from 2.30 till 10, nonstop. You know, so, but you know, she's a ball of fire. Cheryl said, I want to be like her when I grow up. <laughs> I want to be like her. Any woman up will be like her. She's got a hold of what is hurt, rightfully hurt to think the devil beat up on her with 13 surgeries the first 53 years of her life. And now the last 20, none. She's learned how to kick out that devil and learn who she is, a daughter of the king. I'm telling you, you've got to learn who you are in Christ. If you don't know, just like that walk in that house, that great big old great Dane somebody got in the house, that big beast runs up, puts his feet up on you and slops you right in the chops with his big old tongue. You know, boy, you beast, don't you jump up on me like that. I'll knee you right in the middle. I guarantee I don't care whose dog you are. You jump over my on my shoulders, you out of here. You ain't going to lick me in the licks. I'm going to kick you out. See? But that devil will do it just like that great Dane if you'll let him. He'll make you sick. He'll afflict you. He'll torment you. He'll do everything. And all you got to do is turn to him and say, No, devil, in the name of Jesus, I'm a son of God. I have power over you. Get out. And he'll leave. But if he don't, if you don't do that, he'll just maul all over you. He'll beat up on you. And, I mean, he'll put thoughts in your mind. He'll make your life miserable. Oh, you ain't going to get healed. Oh, just think what you did when you was 13. You don't think God would be good to an old wicked guy like you. you got to say, hey, that guy was wicked then, but that guy died. That guy died. He became a new creature right here. Bam, from right here on, now he's a son of God. Yeah, I'm getting my healing. It's mine, praise the Lord. And not only that, I'm going to get everything. It all belongs to me. Everything that belonged to Jesus. He said he made me a joint heir. You know what it means to be a joint heir with the king? Everything that was available to the king is available to you. Right? A joint heir. Woo! And not, not just a joint heir with me. That wouldn't be much. But a joint heir with Jesus. That's something else, isn't it? Yeah. And that's where we are. We're joint heirs with the king. And he's given us power and authority over the enemy. And he's defeated him for us. But we have to take it by force away from that devil. You don't let him beat up on you no more. I mean, Paul said we wrestle against flesh and blood. Well, let me tell you, I've come to realize that that wrestling can be cut down to a minimum. When that devil comes and grabs a hold, you can take that sword of the Spirit. If you got that thing about six foot long and you start going around slinging that thing, I'm telling you, that devil will flee from you. He won't get close enough to wrestle with you. You know, to wrestle, you've got to come in physical contact. But when you pull that sword out, if them scriptures, you got them things in your heart and they're coming out your mouth, you're slinging that double-edged sword, quoting the Word of God forwards and backwards, upside down and everywhere else, that devil said, whoa! And in the process of doing that, you're worshiping the king. When you start worshiping the king, them big grand beings of grandeur called angels, they show up beside you. And them demons of hell, them little peanuts, you know, they see these beings of grandeur. And if they don't go away pretty quick, the king, if you worship and praise the king, the king himself will show up. And when he does, them demons of hell, they're out of here. They ain't staying. And all of your problems go away. The king. He's our king. 
And we own the name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. I mean, I, I was reading a story the other day about Smith Wigglesworth. And he said he was in a place and there was a man that was on his deathbed. And he told the guys, he said, you know, that's just a demon killing him. There's about six or eight of you young men that know Jesus. He said, get in a circle and hold hands and just start saying, Jesus. Jesus. And he said they did that for about ten minutes. And the man just got up and walked out there totally, completely healed. What did Jesus say we could ask in his name? I mean, that's what he said. Do we believe that? Hey, it's about time we start believing him, isn't it? I believe him. He says, if you have faith and doubt not, nothing shall be impossible with you. But if you don't have that faith, what is the faith? What is this faith in? It's the Word. Living by the Word. Hiding the Word in our heart. Hiding the Word in your heart. You've got to hide the Word in your heart. You've got to study it. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to dwell on it. Think, I studied the Word 5 to 15 hours a week for 10 years before God spoke to me the first time. You know what kind of dedication it took to do that? With everything I had to do? But I knew this was the most important thing I had ever done. But I had no idea the dividends it was going to pay in my later years. No idea. Not only was I going to be able to walk in divine health, but I think of the number of people that I've prayed for that their lives have been totally changed. Totally changed. I had no idea what God was going to do. But lay. I'm, I'm only two or three steps off the floor. And that ladder goes a long ways up. And I'd like to get up to top. Because Jesus said, every one of us that are perfectly trained will be just exactly like our Master. And we shall do the same things as our Master did. If you're perfectly trained. I want to be perfectly trained, don't you? Yes. yes. Wow. Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for these great and awesome promises in your word. I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the word of God that tells us what you like and what you don't like and what turns you on and what turns you off. Because, Lord, we want to know what turns you on and we want to be about that. We want to do that. Because we want to be blessed and we want you to bless us. And when we pray the prayers of faith for people, we want you to show up, Lord, because we want you to be happy. So, Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us all to walk holy in obedience to your word. And may we be a blessing tomorrow as we go and the rest of this week. Everywhere we go and everybody we touch, may their lives never be the same because of what you have already done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the King.